Hey listeners, it's Andrea. Today, the Borg are back. Captain Picard is kidnapped, and we ask the question, are you all ready for this? Come nerd out with us. Welcome to the TNG Podcast, the number one place in the Alpha Quadrant to geek out about all things Star Trek The Next Generation. I'm your co-host, Sharice. Hey, I'm your co-host, Andrea. Sharice, uh, today we are talking Season 3, Episode 26, entitled... <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. It's a t- <laughs> I you missed the title. <laughs> it's entitled... Best of Both Worlds, part one. This is a two-part cliffhanger season finale. There's a lot going on, and this episode is ridiculously good. I would argue one of the top three. Here's the plot of Best of Both Worlds, part one. The Borg begin an invasion of Federation space much sooner than was expected. With the Enterprise unable to affect them, the Borg capture Captain Picard and turn him into one of their own. Bum, bum, yeah, it's good. This is good. This is going to happen all the time throughout this episode. Just get ready. Um, what are your initial thoughts on this episode, Cherise? Um, my my initial thoughts was I so I remember watching this episode as a kid. Um, and really I remember the ending. Like that yes. has always stuck with me. And that kind of like, you know, that sense of wow, how are they gonna wrap up this whole storyline in five minutes? And then they don't. And yep. you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Like that still happens to me to this day. Yes. <laughs> Whenever there's some exciting movie or show or something, and I'm like, oh, how are they going to wrap it up? And it always reminds me of Best of Both Worlds. I did not remember anything before the ending. I didn't remember how they got there, what was going on, why were there Borg? I don't even know. All um, that we remember is like the last three minutes of the entire episode. Yes, I feel like that's our collective last consciousness. Minute, yeah. Like that moment of like, oh no, Picard has turned into a Borg. Like that moment was so dramatic and everything so I didn't remember when exactly that happened so I was watching the entire episode waiting for that to happen and so I'm like you know 45 minutes in or whatever or 40 minutes in and I'm just like huh when what oh when does what exactly and then at the end I was like oh <laughs> so I think this was probably this was definitely the best ending to an episode of TNG of all of TNG because nothing takes your breath away the way this episode does. Yes. Okay. I would say um, I agree with you that it's one of the most impactful endings to an episode. I would also say it might be the worst ending to an episode because we in streaming land can just hit play on the next episode. (laughs) However, this episode, this episode was broadcast on June 18th, 1990. Then the show went on summer hiatus. And part two wasn't broadcast until September of that month. So people had to wait three months to find out. This is, you know, the return of regular TV. You know, we're going back to regular TV days where Mm -hmm. there were cliffhangers and then you actually had to wait a week or worse luck, summer effing hiatus. And you had to wait three months to figure out what happened. Feels very, to me, it feels um, Game of Thrones. It's cool. It definitely feels Game (laughs) of Thrones because that, show as it was coming out i was watching it in real time mm-hmm. so they'd have these crazy cliffhangers and you're like oh my god wait it's not coming out for another year and a half like oh <laughs> god damn it you know and then you kind of stop caring for a while and then mm-hmm. you start caring again as you get closer but my initial thoughts were oh my god it's the locutus of borg episode and that's all i wrote <laughs> i was mm-hmm. like we are here also how did we already get to the end of season three this is ridiculous also i think 
it, I don't know. It just feels like we're in such a great place right now where, with TNG and it's just humming along. You know, there's an occasional like weird episode. I'm looking right. at you, Menage Troy, but yep. overall, it's really, really good stuff. All right. Let's just jump right into this. The Enterprise is visiting a planet in a nearby system and they get a distress signal. Mm-hmm. So Picard sends Riker, Geordi, Worf, and Data to beam onto this planet as a response to that distress signal. And can I just say, I know we've said this before. I'm sure we've said this before, but for some reason it hit me differently in this episode. Why are they sending, why are they always sending their chief engineer, yep. their chief medical officer, the first and second in command? Chief, yeah, <laughs> security like, chief, always transporter always. chief. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, Data. I agree 100% with everything you just said. I'm going to tell you right now. I don't see any reason why we need to send Riker and Jordy and Worf and Data. Because yes, if this away team of only four people gets wiped out, which doesn't seem that improbable because it's only four people. It's only four people. You've got Picard and his number one is now Wesley. I mean, that's like all we're left with. However, yeah, for cinematic purposes, we want to see the main characters doing their thing. So they are beamed into what is supposed to be the center of town in this colony that is one of the Federation's outermost colonies. And they find themselves on this like desolate wasteland. And as the camera kind of pans around, the entire colony has been scooped away, leaving absolutely nothing but desolation. Mm -hmm. And to me, I thought immediately, because, you know, I'm trying to watch this from like, as a first timer's perspective, my initial thought was, oh my God, the crystalline entity. There is that, we had that, that same thing in the last episode of season one, um, which yes, the neutral not, zone with the neutral zone. Yeah, I was yes. like, was it not the neutral zone? Yes, yeah, the neutral that zone. Was, that was the episode when they were going to introduce the Borg, but mm-hmm. ran out of time because the writer strike. So they actually just made it like a mysterious disappearance of a bunch of colonies, but like on the which, Earth side and the Romulan side. Yeah, dun, dun, dun. yeah, yeah, exactly. And in that, they had everything scooped up. But I remember in that episode, same thing where I thought. This really looks like the crystalline entity. Yeah. So it's interesting because at this point, we don't see a distinction really mm-hmm. between the way those two aliens show up for our minds to go there to be like, oh, crystalline yes. entity, of course. And then it's like, yes. oh, no, wait, it's the Borg. Wait, huh? What? Yeah. And I will say they do change this in future episodes of the Borg as that alien species evolves. Mm-hmm. They no longer scoop up planets at all. Like they don't do that at all. Interesting. They come in and they just cause complete devastation and people fight them. So it usually looks like a war zone. So when you come down to a colony uh, that the Borg have have um, taken over, mm-hmm. you just see like weapons fire everything everywhere. Things just totally destroyed and like no bodies. And then maybe behind a bush, there'll be some random Borg and you, that's dead. And then people are like, oh, no, it was the Borg. That's how that's why everybody disappeared. But the technology and stuff, I mean, everything just looks totally destroyed. So I actually am glad that they evolved that so that we can distinguish it a bit from the crystalline entity. Cause that's such a cool alien. Like they're mm-hmm. both really cool aliens. They yes. deserve their own respective. Style. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, yeah. They definitely, they definitely should have their own respective style, but we haven't seen, we have seen the Borg before in Q who, but we haven't seen them taking any part of a planet. So yes, it's like, this is the first time that we are actually shown like, Oh, it's been completely scooped away. So everything is gone. Now, the next thing we see is Admiral Hansen and Lieutenant Commander Shelby of Starfleet Tactical have arrived to review the disappearance of this new Providence colony. And they said all 900 souls have been lost, which is a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, and as they are sitting in the captain's ready room and kind of discussing what this could have been, it turns out it's like, no, it was the Borg. Like, we strongly suspect that this is 
Borg interference in mm-hmm. the colony. And Admiral Hansen kind of gives Lieutenant Commander Shelby command of this Borg task force. Mm-hmm. And Picard does say like, hey, you know, you seem to be very taken with her. And he said, yeah, I've learned to give her a wide berth. Like when we want to get shit done, you give her a wide berth and just let her do what she needs to do. She kicks ass and take names. The only thing I didn't like about her was her blatant disregard for her superior's orders or chain of command or anything like that. And I do think that this is still very much 1990s writing of women. Like you're either a sexy plaything or if you're smart and independent, you can, you're shrill and annoying to people. And not just the viewer, but like Riker was like ridiculously annoyed with this woman. Mm-hmm. And I and I think he had good cause too, because you know, he had given her direct orders and then she disregarded them. So it's like, yeah, like it's not, it's still we're still not in the era of amazing like men writing women kind of thing. We're not, we're not. But I actually do like Shelby. I mean, sometimes when she goes over Riker's head, I'm just like, that was kind of a dick move. But I do like her ambition and her drive. It's not coming from it's not like Remick, right? Remick yes. was just he was just kind of just picking on people just because he could. He was just pushing buttons just because he could. He was kind of doing power trips. And that's not what's going on here. She's ambitious and she's driven and she's hungry. And she's not going to let anything or anyone stand in her way. And that's exactly what she comes across as. And so as such, she crosses boundaries. And I feel like when, and, and we're getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but er, but later on, she crossed the boundary. Riker confronts her on it. And I feel like she handles it really gracefully. She's just like, okay, understood. Um, and then later on, she, you know, crosses boundaries again and again and again. But at the, this first time when she's confronted, she wasn't like, well, I can do whatever I want because I'm in charge of the task force and the Admiral put me in charge, right? She's just like, okay, but here's why I came. And do you want to hear my report? And he's like, yes, well, fine. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, I think she's, I think she's just very young. Um, but also I think she can definitely learn that professional side mm-hmm. to temper down her like impulsiveness and be mm-hmm. really amazing at this job. Yeah. Yeah. She could be, she would be a, an amazing first officer, which actually leads us to Hansen lets it slip that Riker has been offered command of the Melbourne and they're still awaiting his decision. And this is the third time that Riker has been offered his own command and has like kind of waffled on just immediately mm-hmm. accepting. And Hansen does say, look, He's an incredible first officer. He has this exemplary record. He broke up with Deanna Troy for fuck's sake because he wanted to be captain by like the time he turned like 28 or something. Mm-hmm. Really ridiculous, right? But he says, listen, there's a lot of hot shots coming up. And by staying put, after a while, like you're getting, you're going to get passed up and you're mm-hmm. going to look like you're standing still and stagnating. And I think that mm-hmm. that's really, really good advice. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is a fantastic B plot for what's happening in this episode because Riker is basically being told like, Listen, man, if you can't make the hard choices, command may not be free. You might be content to be number one for the rest of your right, career. Right. Um, and and Shelby, you know, Shelby is escorted to her quarters by Riker, and she ruffles his feathers by saying, like, I intend to convince Picard that I'm the right person to for the job. And he's like, What job? And she's like, Yours. You've been offered your own command, right? Like, it's right. Never- so you're obviously taking your own shit. Yes, like who yes. wouldn't? That's yeah, exactly, exactly. What would do in this situation. It's exactly a who wouldn't type of thing. Mm-hmm. So and I'm we- going to take this empty vacancy. Yes. <laughs> and he just gives her this look and she's like, sorry, was that not 
was it supposed to be a secret? Are you, am I, did I read, did I read that wrong? You're saying yeah. I read that wrong. Right. Yes. <laughs> and he's just like, I'll see you in poker. Yeah. Right? Like not, not <laughs> clearly saying one way or the other, but when Picard calls him on it later, like what the heck, you never told me about this. That's when he says, I've decided to pass it up. Um, but at this point he's still kind of playing it close to the vest. He doesn't say there's no job available or I'm staying or anything. Yes. He's just yeah. like, I'll see you at poker. Yeah. And that's it. So you're like, hmm. And see, I'm not a big fan of Shelby because of her blatant disregard for chain of command. And she just, she doesn't seem to care who she pisses off. However, I think in this instance, she was not in the wrong. Like she's aware of this information that he's been offered his own command. Anybody in their right mind would take it. Mm -hmm. So for her to be like, I intend to tell, you know, let it convince Picard that I'm the right person for your job. I could see how that would ruffle the crap out of his feathers, but also I don't think she did anything wrong. She just read the situation wrong and just didn't know that he had decided not to accept. Right. Anybody in their mind would take it. Exactly. And if he had accepted, there would be nothing wrong with what she said. Yeah. So it only ruffled his feathers because he decided not to leave, but she wouldn't know that. Yeah. And like, that's the person she should talk to. Assuming he was going to leave. That's exactly the person she should talk to, to get mentorship. And everything else and get the inside scoop on how she can get this job. Exactly. He's the only one who can give her that advice. But now it's like, oh, I guess we're rivals or something. I mean, she's not yeah, going to unseat him. So he there's is nothing feeling, to worry about. I think he's feeling very threatened, though, because he's starting to have that internal doubt, which we'll come to in a yeah. second. Mm-hmm. So we, we go to this poker night and Shelby gets the best of Riker. So he's like, you know, he's liking this woman <laughs> less and less by every passing minute. And this is our first time, as far as I know, that we see Wesley joining. The yes, poker it game. is. Which I thought was adorable and confusing. Yeah, because also, it's for senior staff. So I'm like, Ensign, what are you doing I mean, it's here? It's just like they're it's just like they're unwinding time. And yeah. we've made it clear that that Wesley has no friends his own age, or like he only hangs yeah. out with them sometimes after school. But most of his time he spends with senior staff. Okay. Um right. That that's like what the, that's like, okay. I've growing up, we my parents had a lot of adults around all the time. So I always became very comfortable talking to adults as a kid, but you also very much need that kid time because then you start to become one of those weird people who is only comfortable with other adults and Mm -hmm. not with like peers their own age. And I feel like Wesley should be down in the lower decks, hanging out with like Boimler and Tendi (laughs) and, and Mariner. If you guys haven't guessed, we started watching lower decks, even though we said in season one, we never would. And we were so wrong. It is we are happily eating hysterical. our words. Yes. It's fantastic. It is a love letter to TNG fans, just like us. Yeah. And everything about it is delicious. So <laughs> yeah, we're it's st- TNG Easter eggs everywhere, including, everywhere. and there's one that I will mention at the end of the conclusion to this episode where they do reference something about this episode and it's just an offhand comment. And Lower Decks is exactly that. It's its own ship with its own missions, its own thing, but it's a super inconsequential ship that nobody gives a shit about in Starfleet, but it's happening right at the same time as in their timeline, as the enterprise is out doing these missions. Mm-hmm. So they're hearing from the leg, you know, legendary flagship and they're kind of throwing out little jokes and comments. So if you are mm-hmm. a TNG super fan, like we are, I think you'll really, really like it. Yes. It's and they do also funny. reference Voyager quite a bit, Deep Space Nine quite a bit and the original series maybe even enterprise, but I wouldn't catch any of those uh, references. So if you like any of the Trek stuff before discovery, you're gonna love, love, love lower decks. Yeah. So Wesley's there. And then also for the first time, I I thought to myself, wait a minute, I feel like I wouldn't want to play with Troy. Like, I don't mind her being the dealer, 
but I wouldn't want to actually play her because she's an empath and she, it's not like she could turn it off. Oh, wait a minute. You're right. I never thought of that. Me neither. Until I was watching and I was like, what the F? Yeah. Cause then you would know, she'd know you're bluffing every time. The whole point of poker is people's body language, but she can read people's actual emotions, like their anxiety or whatever. And I was like, wait a minute. Theta Zeds should not be able to play poker with humans. Like, yeah. So she should only be the dealer. <laughs> and I love how data is just like schooling Wesley. And he's like, I don't, I don't know. Should I do this? Oh, that was wrong. Oh, it's like, finally, one thing Wesley's not good at, which yes. makes him more human. So this was just a, this was a, this was a great scene all around. I liked everything going on in this book. Yeah, scene. It, it was a great scene. It really was. Um, now the next morning, Riker is leading an away team down to the planet surface to go and do all these checks, you know, to verify if it was the Borg. Mm-hmm. And when, uh, he comes in with Jordy uh, to the transporter room. Chief O'Brien's like, oh, um, Shelby and Data beamed down like an hour ago. Yeah, because Riker's like, where's where's Shelby and Data? They, they're, like late. they're late. Yeah. We're supposed to be leaving right now. And he's like, oh, no, they're not late. They they went down an hour ago. And he's like, they did what? And you're like, Ooh, yes. Somebody's yes, he- in trouble. <laughs> Yes, because that's why you always leave a note. That's why you always (laughs) leave a note. That's right. That's right. Um, Now, he says on whose authority, and let's just be clear, she is a lieutenant commander and he is a full-fledged commander. So she shouldn't be disregarding any of his orders because it's an order. So come on. And, And though she is in charge of this mission. So this is where I actually think uh, like, yes, she went down without permission or whatever, but I actually think the person whose fault this lands on is the admirals because he should have made it clear. What does in charge of this mission look like? He should have made that clear. Like you get to pick the people on the away team. You get to decide, you know, whatever. He just said, I've learned to give her a wide berth and she's here to help and she's going to be in charge of it. But he didn't just, he didn't exactly lay out her duties And that led to this confusion right here because she's supposed to be in charge of the mission, but also she's not in charge of the mission. Yes. And she's telling, she's telling Riker, here's who I would love to go with me on the planet. And Riker's saying, well, I've already decided who's going to go on the planet and it happens to be the same people. So that worked out, but it's like, this is the problem here. We should have made it clear. What are her boundaries? What are her, um, her expectations? Yeah. The expectations. What does she, what is she in charge of exactly? And if that was made more clear in the beginning of like, you're the, you know, it seems like she's just supposed to be an expert, but that's not what I heard. I heard she's in charge of it. So they should have been like, you're just the expert. You're the consultant. Yes. You defer everything. You run everything through Riker. Like that should have been clear. So I actually yes. don't think that was on her, even though Riker got super pissed about it. He did, but I think you're absolutely right. I, expectations on a job are really, really important. I worked at a company once that had some lady in charge and then they brought in a quote unquote consultant not telling the original woman in charge that she wasn't a consultant. She was this woman's like new boss. Mm. And so it was extremely uncomfortable. Yeah. That's unclear. Watching this power struggle happening because the consultant was like, yeah, I'm here to kick ass and take names, but like in a, in a less grading way than Shelby. And -hmm. then the original woman is like, why is she acting like she can give me orders? This is really stupid. Like, and I just remember going, why don't you go talk to the board about this? Because I think you guys may need to iron out like what your roles are and and what's going on. Exactly. Exactly. And of course they didn't take my advice. And so even when I left the company, there was still this like two years later, this like power struggle, like she's not the boss of me. Well, actually she is. Well, nobody told me, but well, but she is though. So (laughs) 
And that, <laughs> really, yes, that is like so effing stupid. I was like, you guys, uh-huh. this is not on either one of you. This no. is on the board of directors. 100%. For fucking up their, their communication so badly. 100%. Yep. Because they should have never said consultant if they didn't mean consultant. If they meant yes. new boss, they should have said, here's your new boss. Yes. For that every reason you just said, because we need to know at the end of the day, who makes the final call. And if we don't know, there's going to be a power struggle just because they're confused about it. Not yes. because anybody's like out to get anybody, which is what this episode makes it seem like. Is Shelby's out to get Riker's job and Riker's super defensive. And Shelby's like, get out of my way. Yeah. But really, if they would have just made it clear in the beginning, yep. we would have never had all that drama. We wouldn't have had she, all of this. She would have been like, okay, I understand. Or, you know, he would have been like, I understand. But nobody understood. I feel like she was not, she was not wrong in what she did. I feel like that was the Admiral's fault. But in any case, Riker was super pissed. Um, yeah. And, and this is the scene where he confronts her about why did you come down to the planet without my, without telling me, without asking Leave me. a note. That's why you always leave a note. And she was just like, I'm sorry. There was a storm coming. We only had three hours in which to get any data before all of this was washed away or blown away or whatever kind of storm happens on this planet that destroys evidence. And so I knew we had to move quickly. Data was available. I came down. We only have two hours now, you know, so I just, it was just a time crunch, but um, I'm sorry that I did not do, do it the way you wanted me to. And do you want to hear my report? Yeah. And it was just very, I felt like that whole thing was super professional, super graceful. She wasn't defensive at all. She owned it. She apologized. She explained it and was just like, can we move on? And there's really nothing Riker could say. He's just yeah. like, give me your report. Right. There's yes. Nothing, uh, yes. Next time you, next time we come to a planet and think that they're a Borg, you better ask me first. Like, okay, we'll do that next time. Right. Like there's no, <laughs> she does, she does do that. And then she, you know what she says very professionally. She's like noted. It won't happen again, which it totally does happen again, but whatever mm-hmm. won't happen again. Do you she want didn't... to hear my report? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And he's like, fine. And it turns out it's like same magnetic resonance seen in the soil as the J25 system that like, blah, blah, blah. We talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. There is no more doubt in our minds that this is absolutely the Borg. So now at first we're like, Oh, this might be a Borg episode, but now it's like, Oh, this is a Borg episode for sure. Which is really, really awesome. Um, and so we're like, bum, 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 you know, thinking crap, the Borg are here. Right. And Run. yeah, there's no longer any doubt that it was the Borg. And, and when they met the Borg, the Borg were who the heck knows where the Delta quadrant. I don't even remember. Yes. But now they're, you know, the Admiral says the last time they met them, they were 70, thousand light years away so yeah probably the delta quadrant and now they're already in the alpha quadrant like they're here they're totally yeah. in in your area <laughs> they have their their mission to come for you to come here and find you and so yeah. it's like pretty scary it really is it really is now on the on the enterprise picard faces Riker about his decision to stay aboard the enterprise and his command that he's been offered and he's like the melbourne is a fine ship well like you really should take it and he's like i've decided to stay you know, there's still stuff I want to learn aboard the Enterprise. And also he says the Melbourne's not the Enterprise. And he's totally right. He couldn't be more right. There's no other ship that's the flagship, but this ship. Yes. So whatever he takes, it's going to be not and as his, cool, yeah, not as exciting, yes. not as prestigious, not as incredible as the Enterprise. Kind of like Which, with Wesley. I agree. Wesley, yeah. Right, when Wesley was going to go to the Academy and then he decided not to because he needed to save the ship. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it was like, Hey, I might not be assigned to the enterprise. And they're like, oh yeah, probably not. No, you're not going to be and here. He's like, like oh, the flagship. <laughs> yeah. Go somewhere else. And it's yep. like, oh, in that case, I think I'll stay. Yes. Mm. Yes. And that just, 
that absolutely, I think it's right. Like if I were first officer of the enterprise and then was going to be assigned as captain of the Cerritos, which is the ship on lower decks, I'd be like, "Mm, maybe not because those other ships don't get the kind of action that the enterprise gets. Right. Um, Right. So I totally get it. Now he goes to confide in Deanna, which I think is great move because she's a trusted friend. She's an Mm -hmm. empath. She's a ship's counselor. You know, she offers a great, you know, advice. And he says, what am I still doing here? What am I still doing here? Like, I don't even know. Like I said, I wanted to be captain by like 35 or something. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. And she's like, I don't really think that you're asking yourself the right questions. You know, you're happy here. You're settled here. You you like the people that you work with. Like you have bonded kind of created yeah. a, a mm-hmm. family here. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and she says, what do you want, Will Riker? And I think that's such a great question, but of course, one that he can't seem to figure out. But it's very important to sometimes ask yourself, like, what is it that I actually want? Because mm-hmm. it, you tend to get bogged down in like details. And then when you step back and look at the bigger picture, it's like, yeah, yeah, I do want to move on or no, I'm really happy here. And um, that's actually a question I was asking myself about Riker. Why doesn't Riker want to take his own command? Yes. Now, on the one hand, he can't because it would ruin the show, right? But on the yeah. other hand, let's be it. Let's be on the ship. Why wouldn't he want his own command? He should want his own command. He's obviously ready for his own command. He yeah. knows he's ready. Everybody else knows he's ready. And he was kind of telling Troy, maybe I'm just afraid of the big chair. And she's like, no, that's not it. He's like, yeah, no, it's not. Right. He's trying to say, maybe I'm afraid to be captain. You're not afraid to be captain. No, I'm not afraid to be captain. Like He's not afraid. So he's like, well, then what is it? That's the only thing. That's the only reason people turn down commands is because they don't think they can handle it. And she's like, just because you're happy where you are, that doesn't mean you've settled. It means you've matured mm-hmm. and you're what you want is different now. And yeah. he's just like, well, that's terrible because it means I've lost my edge. Shelby still got her edge. And yes. I've lost my edge. And it's like, mm. Shelby, Shelby is an important part of Will's decision not personal reflection exactly not because she is like i don't want anybody taking my chair but she reminds picard and Riker of a younger Riker Mm -hmm. who was more of a hot shot and more about taking risks and like not giving a fuck and now he's like i do give a fuck i give a lot of fucks like Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah you know it's and shelby at one point will say like you you're always playing it safe and he's like when it comes to my ship and my crew you damn right i play it safe which is the right thing to do 100 percent, right but he is like you know will is will is in rank at a midlife crisis he's ready for that next Mm -hmm. step but he's looking back at a younger version of himself and he's like, no, I want to be young and like hip and hot and like full of fire. Mm-hmm. And Shelby's over here with all these things and I'm not. And now I feel old and what mm-hmm. the hell, you know, yep. which I think is, yeah, it's, it's. But ironically, if Shelby had never come on the ship and stirred the pot, yep. he'd be happy go lucky as number one. He would be like never poker, had these thoughts. poker twice a week, guys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> now, Riker, Shelby and the whole engineering team are trying to find a way to hurt the board. But they can't come up with anything, which no big surprise, you guys. But it is, I did like this because it's nice to see that the Enterprise just can't rely on muscle, like in every situation, Mm -hmm. you know, where they're like, I don't know, just fire phasers. And later, jumping ahead, later, we do see the Borg ship, you know, the Borg cube up against the Enterprise. And the Mm -hmm. Enterprise is tiny. It's so effing small compared Mm -hmm. to the Borg cube. You're like, good. This is a, this is a great place where like you actually have to struggle to find some solutions. Right. Not it's not like fighting the Ferengi again, or you're trapped in a planetary gravity well or something. Yeah. Where it's, yeah. Where you just, it's an engineering problem. This is a, we're outnumbered one to a zillion. Mm-hmm. Out- we're outgunned mm-hmm. one to a zillion. Um, 
and outmaneuvered one Jozillion because yes, yes. we we've got nothing against these people. And the they've got redundant systems. Yeah, yeah. And Shelby says, um, according to her calculations, that the cube can take damage of up to 78% yeah. of the ship and still be just fine because of Which its redundant systems. Insane. It's insane. That's 80%. Per- it can it can survive off of 20% of functionality. It can be just as powerful as if yep. it had a hundred percent. Yeah. That is nuts. I don't know any system of anything in the world that 20% of it is just as effective as a hundred percent of it, unless it's like cyanide or something. Yeah. Like you like it's crazy. So that really feels like an impossible situation. Mm-hmm. And I, I just kind of felt like, man, I don't, I don't know. I don't care how much calculations they do. Their only real option is to run, but you can't run because now the Borg are knocking on your front door. They're in the Alpha Quadrant. You can't also, go home. Also, even when they have tried to outrun the Borg cube, the Borg oh, yeah. cube the just Borg keeps gaining fast. Yeah, it keeps <laughs> gaining on them. They're going warp 9.9 and some yeah. other fucking gaining on them. It's like... What I meant was run right now before uh, the Borg know that they're there. Not oh. like run when the Borg see them. Because oh. then it's too late. Because then I late. was like, yeah, no, you uh, you absolutely have no options now. <laughs> you have none. And we all, we learn. I don't, I don't know if this happens in TNG. I think we don't learn this until the middle of Voyager, like season three of Voyager. But the Borg have these subspace conduits that they can, that they go through. They're kind of like, um, like kind a wormhole, like, kind of like wormholes, but they're Borg made wormholes. Okay. Okay. Um, that can go from the alpha quadrant to the Delta quadrant in like 30 seconds. And they have them Holy all over crap. like So that's how they just like pop into sig- to, to systems because they have all these like subspace conduits throughout everywhere. So they can actually, and they also have some time inversion stuff on their ships so they can like go through time and stuff. Holy Christ. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We so, absolutely have nothing on the Borg. We have nothing. And even at this early stage, before they've evolved to all of that, they're just super fast, super regenerative and a really great enemy. And yeah. I actually thought we were going to meet the Borg queen in this episode, in this episode, but we didn't. No. Um, but I thought we were. And I was just we like, don't oh meet my her. Gosh. We don't meet her until like the movies. Really? Yeah, yeah, we don't see the board queen oh, at all. There sad. is, there is no the such queen. thing. She's so great. Oh God, I think I no, need to she's the Kiva worst. Sajo to her, she's like the best villain. She's oh, the best she's villain just... that TNG has ever seen. Well, TNG hasn't seen her. <laughs> they don't see her until like Nemesis. Until I think. Her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so on the on the show, she doesn't exist yet. She hasn't been invented yet. But um, hmm. yeah. So Hanson communicates to them you know, after this meeting that they're like, we don't have any answers. Hansen is able to communicate because he's gone back to a star base now that they know for sure it's the Borg, that the USS Lalo sent out a distress signal and described a cube-shaped vessel and then has not been heard from since. So Picard is like, how long is it going to take us at maximum work to get there? And they're like, ah, oh, an hour and change. So they're like, all right, let's go. Let's just go and we'll keep you appraised, Hansen. And as they approach the area where the Lalo disappeared... Worf says there's a ship moving to intercept at at warp 9.3. So it is in a hurry to get to where they are. And they put it on main view screen and then they magnify, which by the way, on main view screen, you can totally tell it's a Borg cube, but they're like magnify. So it fills the screen even more. And there's this great shot where it's Picard facing the view screen and you see this Mm -hmm. gigantic cube. And he turns and says, Mr. Worf, dispatch a subspace message to Admiral Hansen. We have engaged the Borg. And I was like, oh, chills. I got such chills. That was, that was a good line. Even after 30 years and seeing this episode a bunch of times, it is this is the peak 
storytelling where having seen a story or watched a movie or read a book a bunch of times, and then you read it again and it still gives you that same visceral reaction. Oh, I got such chills. I'm going to put that shot up on our Instagram at the TNG podcast, because it is just so freaking good. It is such a like landmark shot. I think it is. And it's a really good line. And I thought, cause the very next scene, it kind of fades to black, I guess it's a commercial break. And then it yep. comes back and you see the tiny little enterprise next to the super giant cube. And you're kind of like, oh, okay, I guess engage means we saw them. So that's yeah. it. Because engage and, means like we fired upon them or we've like. Or they're firing yeah. or we're firing against upon each other, but whatever. <laughs> but I mean, it's the same thing. Like as soon as they they saw that there was a vessel, Picard's like, all right, Worf, set a course, set an intercept course. We need to check out that vessel. And he's like, uh, they already set an intercept course for us. And they're coming towards us at warp nine point whatever. And then when they see it's a cube, they're like, no. And it's kind of like what you said, right? Once they see you, there's no running. There's nowhere. To, there's no reason to run, nowhere to run. Plus, they're the flagship. They're going to be fighting the cube one way or the other yeah. anyways. Yep. So they're just kind of like, well, okay, cut engines. We'll just kind of, yeah. <laughs> well, like, yes. There's no reason for us to keep going. <laughs> they try to, yes. I know. Where they're Let's like, okay, power. so I'll stop. Yeah. Charge that, up that's your what phasers, I boys. Like, yep. It's, yep. I'll stop. Uh, Everybody start stretching. Uh, get ready for some hand gonna be. Yeah, it's going to be rough. Now, they try to hail the Borg cube, which doesn't respond. And then a minute later, the Borg actually hail the Enterprise and demand that Picard in particular surrender himself. And if he doesn't surrender himself, the entire Enterprise will be destroyed, which wouldn't it be anyway? How are they going to take how are they going to take Picard and just be like, thank you. You may go about your business. Like, of course, they're going to destroy the Enterprise. But it's the first time that the Borg have specifically requested one person instead of just surrender. You will be assimilated. Which is and, interesting because it makes you wonder how they even know about individuality in the first place. Yeah, because they're a collective. Um, and the Borg scan the ship and Jordy's like, let me try modulating the ship. Oh, yeah, that didn't work. Like, it falls out for like two seconds. <laughs> yeah, they're always like, raise shields. Shields are gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it might as well be a shield made out of like water because it's like, yeah, that that's, that's gone. <laughs> let me tell you, there's a game on the Oculus called Starfleet Command, I think. And um, it's just like you get to pilot either the the ship from the original series or you get to pilot the ship from TNG. Oh, my God. Or you God. get to pilot another ship that was just created for the game. And um, if you, either way, I have never been able to win this game. Every time I play this game, I get completely destroyed either by Klingons or the Borg. <laughs> and it never fails. And when it's Klingons, it's just this big fiery death. Like they just fire and fire and fire until my ship explodes. And then I see it from space. But the Borg, you like disable their ship. And then you run as fast as you can to another system. At least that's my strategy. Yeah. It's <laughs> not been super effective. I run as fast as I can to another system. <laughs> and then you see this time bar at the bottom. That's like how much time it takes for them to calculate your current position and find oh, you and regenerate God. and come and find you. And you're like, oh, oh, oh my gosh, I only have seven minutes. Come on, come on, come on. And systems, <laughs> systems repair, systems repair. And you get like. You literally, as you look around, like the bridge is on fire. Oh my God. It's like warps, you know, there's no warp power. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally feel this what's is why going on in this scenario. You right may now. not be offered command of the Melbourne. After Riker passes it up, they're probably going to be like, Sharice, no, okay. Well, Riker passes it up. That ship's probably going to explode. Yes. Because yes, that's it is. Been his that's the history, pattern. So I'm going to pass on the Melbourne anyways, just because it was offered <laughs> right. to Riker first. Right. Right. That's going to be the first ship assimilated right. or blown up or something. <laughs> I'm good. He I'm probably good. He probably secretly passed up command of the fucking Lalo, too. Like, that's why that's gone. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Riker. 
You're probably a bad luck charm. Anyway, so the Borg are really easily able to lock on and drain the shit out of the shield. And the Enterprise is like, fire all weapons. Nothing. No, no, no effect, sir. No, no effect. effect at all. And they're like, but that's the best we have. And then the Borg use their old trick of just cutting into the hole and like removing a section, I guess, because that's what yes. they do. And they decide to, to focus on engineering. And they're going to remove the section right next to the warp core, which is as they've scanned the ship, they see that that's the most dangerous part. Because if that gets overloaded, the whole ship just blows up and they don't care. Why not just cut the warp core? Yeah, we're going to cut it in the neighborhood of the warp core, but whatever. So they're like, engineering has been compromised. And then we get the Geordi maneuver. This is when he does the like spinning arm thing where he's like, go, go, go. And then as the decompression door is like sliding down, he like tucks and rolls under it. Although mm-hmm. it was still like seven feet up. So he could have just like run through real quick. And like, <laughs> he probably slowed it. Where's the fun down. in that? This is great. Yeah, I love just, the, I love the Jordy roll. The, the Jordy maneuver is my favorite thing that Jordy does. He waves his arm in a circle and he goes, go, go, go. And then dives and rolls under this decompression door. And there was no need to roll at all, but I love the move. I love it. And later we find that, that engineering did in fact decompress. They they stopped the beam or they got the beam away, whatever. We, we see that in the next scene, but we do see Jordy like come up to the bridge and they're like, okay, you know, status report. And what I saw was a bunch of people running out of engineering. And in my mind, they always are all safe and the warp core never overloads or explodes yep. or anything like that. And then Jordy says, we lost a lot of good people. And I was like, wait, what? Wait, question mark? What Wait a minute, and he said like, that? I totally missed that. Yeah, he said, oh, we lost a lot of good people down there. And then he heads over to a station. And I'm like, wait, what? And then somebody gives the data report. And they're like, yes, I think it was Riker. He's like, yes, we have 11 dead and eight injured. Dang! Who were sucked out of the hole. Oh, my God. When it breached. Like, in the hallway, not in engineering. But that's where the beam was. But I was just like, holy shit. Oh, my God. Yeah, I was like, that's horrible. I just thought there was, you know, it decompressed. And, like, there was a hole. But everyone got out. And everyone's good. But no, yeah. like a bunch of people died and Jordy managed to survive. I was like, oh, oh and just go back to work because that's what they do on the team uh, on the bridge. Um, like in Enterprise, like yeah. you just go back to work whenever something traumatic happens and yep. they're at war. So they don't have time to yes. be born. But yes. I just thought that is horrible. Like, I didn't remember that from. Before. Yes. Yes. I did not. I didn't even catch that this time. The thing I do notice after Jordy does the Jordy maneuver, he comes up to the bridge and he's like, transfer engineering to the engineering station on the bridge. Like I can control everything that I was controlling in engineering up here, which begs the question, why weren't you up there in the first place? Because if you can control the warp, yeah. he said, he said he can, he has like warp control and everything. Yeah. Now it just takes time for like Riker or Picard to calm down to engineering, to tell him what he needs to do. If he just, yeah, yeah. That, that I was like, although I will thing. say he, it makes sense to me that he's in engineering because he's always tinkering with things that are not just the buttons, but when things physically break, like he's down Uh-oh. there when things physically break, when they need to pull stuff out of the walls and put new stuff in or climb into a Jeffrey's tube or like manually inject the warp core with plasma and stuff like that. Got it. I think he really does need to be in engineering. Mm. If he just has to push a button to like turn on the warp core or yeah. like, you know, make it, make the ship go fast. Anybody could, Wesley could do that. So yeah. Anybody could do that. And we've already yeah. established every panel in the ship can be used for anything. As long as you have yes. the right security codes. Yep. You could run the entire ship from the hallway computer. Yes. Like, if you really needed to, right. You could just be like computer transfer access here. <laughs> like, yeah. Run the whole ship from the hallway, from the holodeck, from anything. But I think he actually does kind of like how we always tease O'Brien about being useless. Yeah. But when there is a transporter malfunction, he actually does need to be there. All yes. the other times, eh, 
Yeah, yeah so you can do it from I'm, Troy's quarters, whatever. Yeah, I'm yeah. the majority being in engineering because usually there is physical stuff that needs to be moved or changed and he doesn't have to do it himself, but he'll like tell the other people to do it. Somebody has to be there to do it. Yeah. But now it's like, well, let's just hope none of that happens. Yes. Nobody can go down there. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, now while all this is happening, the Borg are like, do, 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 cutting into the hole and shields are like, right. <laughs> and they can't get any higher than like 48% at the, on their best day right now. And mm-hmm. Shelby does some quick thinking and she has data randomized the frequency of the phasers. And as you know, cause now the Borg ship has locked onto the ship with a tractor beam. So now they're really stuck and they can't break away from the tractor beam, which by the way, tractor beams are just the coolest thing, but they're mm-hmm. able to like shoot with different frequencies at the, the source of the tractor beam, which they're able to break free. And they're like full retreat. Right. No, like, and, run! Yeah, it's run away. It's run away, run away. There's right? a nebula hide in there. Go, go, yes. go, go, go. Yeah. Yeah. So they enter this pulse of nebula and it's, it's so it, pretty. It is very oh. pretty. It's just this purpley swirl. Pinkish, like cotton Bluey, candy in space. Yes. Yes. Very cool. Yes. And, and the nebula shields the enterprise from the Borg sensors. So they're well hidden. And they're able to take the time to analyze their encounter and come up with a plan to use the deflector shield to channel power at a randomized frequency to create a drop in the energy levels of the cube. Because what they did say as they reviewed shooting at these different frequencies, when they broke the the tractor beam generator, there was a 2% drop in the power level of the cube. And so they're like, maybe if we could do this again, but like with a much more concentrated series of bursts or whatever, it could mm-hmm. create enough of a drop that they have to drop out of warp and we can get the fuck out of here. And that's really it. They're just trying to disable the ship enough so they can run. Mm-hmm. They're not even, th- they're like, destroy the ship. Oh no, we can't do that. No, like, no, I don't, I don't have that power. At we all, already fired all we weapons can. like multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> None of that works. And and Picard does do the thing that I love when he says fire at will and warp is like, bew, 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 and nothing happens the borg are just like ha 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 like mechanically laughing because <laughs> nothing is happening to them um but shelby does suggest separating the saucer section to give the borg more than one target to worry about and my question is what is the point of that because the saucer section only has impulse engines so the borg will destroy them in like 0.2 seconds and then just go after the star drive which we already know cannot run them so like yeah and honestly point? even if they had so you're thinking like we'll we'll confuse them we'll have two different no targets no but even if you had two full ships even if if you had enterprise and the the yamato the sister yeah. ship of the enterprise you had both ships yeah still those two ships would be no match for the one cube even nothing. if two nothing full ships all. with full armaments, with full shields, they'd be no ma- no match. So taking your one little ship and breaking it into two pieces, I don't feel like is one really that can, one that going. can only go impulse engine power. Like you can only go full impulse. Who the hell is volunteering to go onto the saucer section? Like you're going to be destroyed <laughs> like immediately. You have a zero chance of survival, like zero yeah. percent chance of mm-hmm. making it out of there. Come on. So like, Come it sounds on, like a good idea, but when you think mm. about it with the Borg, that doesn't really make sense. Yeah. You can have 20 ships, which we are going to see in the next episode. Mm-hmm. The Borg is like not even breaking a sweat and they're just destroying ships left and right. Like, come on. Anyway. So Riker's like, all right, I'll take it to the captain. She's like, well, I want to hear it from the captain's lips. And he's like, I take all options to the captain, which by the way, I'm not sure why the captain isn't in on this extremely important strategic meeting, but yeah, whatever. What he doing? Yeah, he's having some Earl Grey and reading some Shakespeare and wondering what it's all about. Yeah, again. you're right. He should have been in this in this meeting. There's no reason for him to not be there. He's never not been in a senior staff. He meeting, hasn't. So and there's nothing weird. better he has to do right now. Absolutely be nothing. In this meeting. There is nothing 
you need to be doing than to be at this meeting, Picard. This is, I call this, you're bad. But Riker comes to Picard's ready room and finds that Shelby has totally circumvented the chain of command and told Picard of her plan herself. And he is pissed. And I think he has every right to be Mm -hmm. upset. Yeah. You do not circumvent the chain of command. You don't. And Riker was going to take was going to take the option to Picard probably or whatever, but like I think probably was, or whatever is, is yeah. Right. I'm like, cause, cause he's like, I take all wasn't options, it? but then he shows up and, and he's like, Hey, I'm just hearing Shelby's option. And he's like, yeah, I already decided that wasn't a good option. So I'm like, wait, yeah, oh, is he really going to take that option? Yeah. I'm not really sure, but in either but, case, um, what Shelby did was totally a dick move. That in was a super case. dick move. And then Picard had the and good not even sight. A great idea. No, no, <laughs> you, you, you play okay. I think that you can circumvent the chain of command if something is really, really important enough. But was this that item? Was this no. that item that you needed? Like you blew your hand. This, yeah, this on is a not shitty, gonna save the ship. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like what if we? What if we? Uh, um, what if we threw rocks at the ship? Yeah, yeah. What if we not... throw up a smoke screen so they can't see us and get away? We're already in a damn nebula. I don't. What, what else do you want to? <laughs> anyway, so Picard is like, okay, both of you are dismissed, and. Riker and Shelby go into a turbo lift and he stops the turbo lift and he lays her out for this. You don't follow the chain of command. You're risky. You don't think about your crew and like all this shit. And she fights back. She calls him out on playing it overly safe, unable to make the hard calls. And she basically tells him like to get out of her way. And Mm -hmm. I think the worst part about this, first of all, you do not speak to a superior like that, but the worst part is, but I think he asked. She asked him. She, I, she did. She said permission to speak frankly. So I, yeah, yeah. Or she but, wouldn't have said all that. Yeah. The worst part though is that she's hitting Riker where it hurts because there's mm-hmm. a kernel of truth to what she's saying, mm-hmm. and Which that is, is she what, said it. Let me tell you, when I have smacked somebody with the hard truth, that is when they get the most hurt or upset because like you're not ready to see this, and like, and I think we all have experience with that where. Mean things to say are one thing, but mean things that are true, oof. That's or even just things thing. that I'm insecure about. If I'm already yeah. insecure about it and someone brings it up and throws it in my face, it's a lot more hurtful because I'm like, oh no, they've seen the, the very thing that I'm trying to hide from everybody because I'm yeah. so insecure about it. Yeah. So that's what's going on right here. She hit the nail on the head, yep. but like she just so happened to. That's yes. her interpretation. And it just so happens to match his own insecurity. Yes, yes, it does. He didn't have this insecurity three weeks ago. Yeah. He was just like a-okay in his job, but now he's all, now Plain, he has to be really vulnerable. Yeah, playing the trombone, just like, doo-doo-doo, like, and then this woman comes on board and all of a sudden he's got his hackles up. And okay, the next scene that we see is one that I really love and had completely forgotten about. Picard concedes that they may not make it out of this alive because they are still hiding in the nebula and the Borg cube hasn't moved on. It's still just hovering outside the nebula, just waiting. And they're like, we don't know why the Borg are suddenly so fascinated with this ship in particular and Picard specifically because Mm -hmm. they just randomly destroy and assimilate things. So Mm -hmm. they're like, okay, there's clearly some instance there's something going on that we're not aware of because they are targeting this ship in particular. And Picard does say, we're going to hide in this nebula for as long as we can, because while they're out there waiting for us, they're not out there destroying other ships and killing other people. So we'll just Mm -hmm. hide as long as we can. Mm -hmm. Now I didn't know this, but it is tradition for captains to tour the ship before a battle, specifically one that they don't suspect that they're going to make it out alive. And which Guinan says as, 
Picard yes. shows up into 10 forward. Yes. So he's touring the ship. He's walking through engineering and he walks into 10 forward, which obviously everybody's at battle stations and red alert. So nobody's hanging out in 10 forward and he runs into Guinan. And I love to see Guinan in this episode. I love mm-hmm. that. She is the person who tells Picard the thing that he's going to most listen to. Right. And he, he takes her counsel and he says, you know, captain's captain's tradition to tour the ship before a battle. And she says, if I remember correctly, you tour a ship when it's a battle, you're not going to make it out alive. When it's a hopeless Uh, battle, a hopeless Mm -hmm. battle. Um, And he's like, yeah, we really may not make it out of this alive. Like, but you know, I hope we do. And I just, I just love to see Guinan. And I love that when they speak, I think that Guinan is the opposite of me. And I wish I could be like her in this sense. She's the kind of person whose words carry such importance. She can speak slowly and quietly and use very few words and everybody like leans in to listen. Right. And I think that that is so impactful because my advice might be just as good, but I never use five words when 10,000 will do. Right. I'm just like, blah, 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 blah. And another thing. Also, did you also think about this thing too? Like you might want to think about, right. But Guinan is so great at this where she uses very few words and she always speaks in like a very low tone and everything is so quiet because 10 forward is completely empty save for those two that mm-hmm. like you don't it it's very very impactful but in a very with a very light touch and i just really value that yeah and one of the things she says is that humanity is going to be fine her people were her planet was destroyed by the borg her people were scattered to the wind but she says as long as there's a, a little handful of humanity that survives, of humans that make it, your culture will go on. Your history will go on. The whole human race will go on. And it's true. And it's also really devastating because you're thinking like, well, as long as five of us make it, right? But then that means there's like billions of people who don't. And and it's hard to take solace in it. But she's absolutely right. It's like such a heartbreaking situation. And it just makes you think that the Borg are so awful. And at this point in TNG, we don't know anything about assimilation. We know, we only know that the Borg destroy things. So as far as we know, everybody dies. We have no idea that everybody gets turned into, which is, which is way worse. It's like having somebody die or having them die and turn into a zombie. No, Mm -hmm. death is totally preferable. Just plain old, Mm -hmm. good old fashioned Saturday afternoon death. Like, don't give me some fancy Friday night version where now I'm turned into a zombie on top of that. Like, no, no, no. Um, <laughs> now, at this point, <laughs> at this point, I feel like that should be a t-shirt, right? Saturday afternoon death, just plain and straightforward. Yeah. All right. So this, at this point, the nebula is discharging some magnetic resonance or no, it's something. actually the Borg, which I think is so cool. The Borg. No, I thought it in. Oh, I thought it was the the nebula that was having this like magnetic nope. discharge. The Borg starts sending in um like bombs that are magnetic that are attracted to, to oh. metal. So that they just start launching bombs like IEDs into the nebula, but they're magnetic, so they get attracted to the ship and then they yeah. explode. Yes. And I'm like, why hasn't anybody thought of this before? This yeah. is a brilliant way to attack somebody in a nebula. Yeah. Because just like it takes away the Borg sensors to sense the the um, Enterprise. It also takes away the Enterprise's sensors. So if the Borg entered the cube, they wouldn't be able to find each other. Yes. And that happens a lot in the show where they're both in the nebula and they're kind of playing hide and seek in the nebula. Yeah. Yes. And like a magnetic bomb is kind of freaking brilliant. If you're outside the nebula, you just launch those bad boys in. And that's exactly what they did. They launched them and waited for them to come out. 
Oh, no wonder. So that's providing that there isn't like magnetic filament or something, or uh, sorry, some sort of like metal based filament, like well, in the sure, nebula. But, but, but you can but make still. the bomb specific to the type of metal that's in a ship. That's going to be different. I mean, I, the, I guess the, you could. Metal yeah, sure. Nebula. I guess that, you could. I mean, if we had technology, you could, yeah, you could make, you can make it anything, but yes. Okay. So it's, so it becomes really clear, which I did not catch that. I thought it was some magnetic resonance that was like happening within the, the nebula that was like disrupting the ship. So they can't, they can't stay much longer. It's now unsafe and they leave the nebula. And this is my big, what the ass moment, because they pass right by the cube as they exit. You couldn't have like counted on the cube <laughs> sensors being disrupted and then like sneak out the back way. There's a million different directions you could have gone and they go right past the Borg. And I'm mm-hmm. like, come on. Although I guess maybe the whole point was like to bait them, to follow them so that they didn't engage anybody else. But like, now you guys are going to die. So really what's the point? So the Borg are pursuing the enterprise and they end up taking the shields down in like 0.1 seconds and they start beating onto the bridge. <clears throat> and Worf, takes one of them down quickly because, you know, he shoots him with the phaser and he takes him down. But as the other board transport in, they adapt to the phasers and they start having those super cool shields. And Riker and Worf start trying to hand-to-hand combat these Borg, which take them down immediately. And then one Borg captures Picard and beams off with him. Now, my question is, where was Data in all this? He is literally the one person who could go toe-to-toe with the Borg's strength. And it's mm-hmm. Worf and Riker and Data's just like pushing some buttons at the comm, mm-hmm. not even noticing that the Borg are there. And I was like, Data, <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> at this point, though, Data doesn't know that he can go toe-to-toe with Borg. But it's within his, like, that's within his personality, though, to see his crewmates in danger and jump in to help. I just thought that was so weird. And in later episodes, when we do get Data versus the Borg hand-to-hand. It's so cool because it's machine versus machine, Mm -hmm. you know, hybrid. And it's Mm -hmm. super cool. And I'm like, we just got so robbed of that. That's my only (laughs) gripe about this episode where I wanted Data was right there and he could have gone hand-to-hand, but he didn't. And I do not know why. And I'm really sad. It's almost like, it's almost like he was like in shock, like everybody else in the crew, but he's literally the only person who should never be in shock, right? You're right. He should have jumped <laughs> yeah. up and been like, oh, it's a Borg. Let me just try to fight him. Yes. He shouldn't have been like, what? Huh? what? Yeah. Like he should not have had that stuttering moment because yeah. his, his brain works differently. But yes. yeah, that is true. That's yeah. true. Yeah, it was very like, what's happening? Yeah, which he's literally the one person who shouldn't have that reaction. Okay, so now the Borg have their prize and they start hightailing out of there at max speed. And Riker, who's now in command, is like, O'Brien, can you get a lock on his signal? He's like, I can't because there's some interference. And the Borg start changing their heading to sector 001, which is the Terran system, which is our solar system. And I was like, ah, the Terran system. So great. So cool. I never get tired of hearing that in all the different sci-fi stuff that I watch and read. I'm just like, oh, it's just such a great name. <laughs> yeah, it really is. The Terran system. I mean, Terra means earth or land. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can't call it the solar system because every planetary system that revolves around a star is a solar system so it's like mm-hmm. okay the terran system is super cool and it's also also it's called soul sometimes people call it soul, soul system yes. because of the are the this, sun this sun we call the sun and other suns we call a different name different but, things yeah but still terran is still the coolest name <laughs> it really is the coolest name um now aboard the borg ship we learn that the cube was so fixated on picard and the enterprise because they have decided to use picard as 
their voice to communicate with humans because they have kind of an, an ambassador. Yes. A really they, creepy take over everything <clears throat> ambassador. Yeah. Like a zombie ambassador. Yes. Because they have analyzed human social structure and determined that we are a hierarchy based um, people. Yes. And Picard has been selected as like one of the high, high end of the hierarchy of like command. Um, and he's like, we'll resist. We'll resist with everything. We, you know, it's like, it's a standard captain speech. And they're mm-hmm. like, I love that the Borg's answer is that like resistance is futile. Strength is ir- uh, irrelevant. irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Fighting is irrelevant. Like everything. And it's like, you can't, you cannot argue against a computer. And yes. it's and great you know to watch him just get like shut down over and over again. It's so Borg. Every single thing that Picard's throwing at them, trying to forever be the diplomat or be a hero or be something. They're just like irrelevant, 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 irrelevant. We could care less. Right. Like none of his arguments are getting through because they're just going to assimilate. They're just like a plague of locusts. You can't reason with them. Yes. There's no logic here that that you can just really trick them on or anything like that. They're going to do what they're going to do, regardless of what you say. And it's got to be really frustrating (laughs) because you can't even you can't even bully them effectively. Right. You can't even some sometimes we see the Ferengi do this a lot. Right. Where they're like, you haven't dealt with us. You know, Picard's like, actually, I have. Get out of my way. Yeah. Right? But at least they can have this kind of bluster moment of like, I'm a big shot before they get shut down. Mm-hmm. You can't even do that with the board. No, you can't. You can't. Of course, I don't want Picard to be captured. Right. Because even watching this, even though I've seen this episode a million times, I was like, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Right. Like, I was getting so <laughs> nervous. And yes, they're like, strength is irrelevant. Resistance is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Um. And they're not wrong. It's irrelevant, irrelevant, irrelevant. it's like, oh, fuck. Like you kind of see Picard's like spirit is like getting Mm -hmm. crushed in slow motion. I was like, oh, no. Now, aboard the Enterprise, they're like, we got to go get the captain back. Bump, 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 bump. And by they, it's Riker because it's always Riker. And I do have to say, he is so consistent, right? Because in that episode Times Arrow, which is like the one you and I talk about quite a bit. Same thing. He's like, we got to go in there. We got to go in there. He's always doing that. And I, I really appreciate that they don't change that about his character mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with his maturing. Yeah. Still is the same guy. Yeah. Just less, a little bit less rash. I think like a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more calculated, but definitely still, like, still... grab your phasers. We're heading over to the board. Yes. So it's still yeah. a little bit like, wait, maybe yeah. you should think about this, but he's like, no, we're not leaving anybody behind. We're not leaving the captain behind. Get your phasers. Let's go. Yeah. And I really admire that. I do admire that. And Riker has every right to do that as the first officer. The first officer leads the away missions. But now, you know, Troy reminds him and she's perfectly placed to remind him that he's in command of the Enterprise until such acting captain. Yeah. Until such a time as they get the captain back. And in a state of war, his place is on the bridge. So he should not be going on this away team. So Shelby leads the away team, which makes sense because she's the Borg expert. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if you notice this, but Dr. Crusher is part of the away team, which mm-hmm. makes sense. Because there might be a medical emergency and she has to be there on hand. Yeah, and Picard got injected with something when Some they took him. Thing. So yep. who knows what? He yep. could be in medical distress. Yes, he could be. So it makes perfect sense for Crusher to be there. But I do love that the reason she was actually put on this away team is because the actress who plays Dr. Crusher, Gates McFadden, specifically asked to be in a scene where she got to fire a phaser because the doctor never gets to fire a phaser. And so they were like, oh, you haven't fired a phaser yet? All right, happy to oblige. Like, we'll have you as part of the away team. It makes sense logically anyway. And so I thought that was kind of cool that Gates McFadden got to like check that box and be on an away team with like a phaser. I want to shoot something too. Yeah. And they were like, okay, I would (laughs) have. Yeah. I would have been like, I want to be number one. Um, (laughs) So now uh, aboard the cube, 
This still makes my head scratch a little. Dr. Crusher points out something which she says it's extraordinary. It's this blinking inverted pyramid on the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And Data surmises that it's like a distribution node, whatever the fuck that means. And how does that, but my question is, how does that stand out at all? Everything on the Borg ship is freaking extraordinary. It's all these different like nodes and nodules and ports. Mm -hmm. And and then you point to the one little like Mm -hmm. pyramid on the ceiling and you're like, look at this extraordinary thing. I was like, come on. Well, they're scanning everything. So it wasn't just from her eyes. It was from her scanner. But the same question remains. You're scanning this entire weird ship. Everything on here is weird. The Borg. So we don't know this yet. But where the Borg are standing is they're they're regenerating. So they're they're resting. Um, They're in a resting state. But their actual spot that they're standing is an alcove that's Mm -hmm. built for them. That's connected to them cybernetically. Yeah. That is dope. We don't even know that yet, but like that alone, that's yeah. the first thing you scan. She'd be like, what? These Borg are, what? They're like awake, but they're not awake, but they're taking power from the ship. But they're yeah. like, that alone should have taken so much, especially as a medical doctor, so much more interest than the random pyramid on their roof. Yeah. But which, whatever. It's a distribution warf- uh, it's distribution. A, it, yeah. Uh, node. But it ends up being incredibly helpful because it's a, it's a power distribution node, which means it's how they spread power evenly throughout the ship. Yeah. So their thought is, well, if we disrupt the power, maybe that will distract them because they're, they're going to have to repair the power in this area. Mm-hmm. So if we disrupt enough of the power flow, maybe it'll be annoying to them. Yeah. <laughs> Cause they know they're not going to destroy Jack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I like that Beverly says, what if we look at this from the mosquitoes point of view, if we take out just a couple of these, it might be enough for the Borg to stop and scratch at it and like slow down and get out of work because the enterprise is like, we only have a couple of hours at the speed before we like blow out our, yeah, and I think at and this like, point they have 29 minutes or something. And so they were like at the edge of that, of that gap of how much time they had to be chasing them at warp. So like, you guys have to slow the ship down so that we have enough Some time way. to rescue yes. the captain. Otherwise yes. we're just going to lose them. Yes. And they're like, okay, well let's, let's keep an eye out, you know, and see what we come across with. And, and over at the enterprise, Riker is suggesting that Admiral Hansen use all the defensive capabilities they have to protect earth. But Hansen says they've decided to make their stand at a nearby star wolf three, five, nine, which is going to come into play a little bit later. So we know at least that, Everybody is kind of all the defensive capabilities are being taken away from Earth and they're making the stand, which I thought or wherever they are, because they're 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 calling in the ships from all over the Alpha Quadrant. OK, yeah. To, to go to Wolf 359. Mm-hmm. Now, aboard the cube, this is a super scary moment. They have triangulated on Picard's comm badge to a drawer where they have found his uniform. And I was terrified seeing that. Um, and. The look, like, where's the rest of him? Yes, the, the look on the, the look on Shelby's face and and uh Crusher's face as they recognize, like, oh my god, this is first of all, we haven't found him, we've just found mm-hmm. his comm badge. Mm-hmm. But second, it's like, what have they done to him? Is so scary. It really, really is. And I have to say, the whole Borg ship itself is scary. When they first beamed on, and you just see all of these regenerating Borg, and it's like this creepy ghost ship, and you just hear them like. You hear the sounds of their their heels, yeah. their high heeled boots on the ground. Yeah, like this is creepy. This is like walking through a cemetery if you could see all the bodies behind clear glass. No, that's what this feels like. And I was Ugh. just like, but they, but you know, they're at because this is a show. They're just like walking around, walking through the hallways. Like 
they weren't even um, crouched behind anything or like, you know, darting from doorway to doorway. They were just like, oh, look, look, look over here. Let, let's take a right. Let's take a left. And I just felt like they were so casual, but me putting myself in their shoes. It's like, this is creepy. This ship is creepy. Everything about this is creepy. Yes. And you know that these regenerating board can become animate any second and start walking around, which would also freak me out. Yeah. Super creepy stuff. So the away team is like, all right, we don't have a lot of time. We haven't found Picard. We've only got his combat. We don't have a signal on the rest of like, you know, on his body. So they're like, we got to get out of here, but we need to stop this ship right now. So they destroy a few distribution nodes, which of course starts awakening the Borg and it drops the cube out of warp. So the enterprise is like, thank God. Okay. So now they're going at impulse power. And the Enterprise has now got, you know, they're, they've been working on this upgraded deflector dish weapon. So they're like, okay, it's like ready to fire now. So as soon as you get the away team out of there and hopefully the captain, you can fire and destroy the ship. And as the Borg start engaging with the away team, they're starting, they're like, okay, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. And Beverly spots Picard and he just see half of him. And you're like, oh God, there he is. But as he turns, you see all the facial implants and this like laser beam that he's got. And as he's looking at Beverly and at the crew, you know, you see this laser beam kind of like refracting on the screen and there's, it's such a scary sight. Cause you're like, Oh shit. Like the thing that we feared has happened, which they didn't, again, they did not even know that Bork assimilated. They haven't used the word assimilation. You're right. Yet. You're right. So this is the first time they've seen where they're like, Oh my God. Right. They've where they prob- into Borg. Yeah. They probably thought he had been killed. Like they assumed everyone yeah. else had always been killed by the Borg when they yeah. found his clothes. They're like, oh, we lost him. But they're like, oh no, he we found him. And then they're like, oh, we lost him in a worse way. Yes. He's now a Borg. Yes. Yes. It is so scary. And they try to get Picard, and Worf like runs up to him. But Picard, Borg Picard, has this shield that like just blows Worf away, and they have to retreat. And as they retreat, the Borg start restoring power and are ready to jump to warp again. And Riker has to use this opportunity to fire the deflector shield. And they all are like, we got to get the captain. No, no, no. They've turned him into a Borg. But again, this is that tough call that Riker has to make. Because he's like, if the Borg jump to warp, we are out of options. We don't have enough power to follow them anymore. Mm-hmm. And we're the and only ones with this weapon. We're the only ones with this weapon. And they're heading to the Terran system. So like, everybody's going to be fucked if we don't get, if we don't mm-hmm. destroy them now. Yep. And the tough call is that you have to destroy the ship. And before he gets a chance to fire this weapon, Riker gets hailed by the Borg. And then we see Picard on screen as Borg. And it is so scary. So scary. I think one of the most well-recognized shots in any television series where it's like, Oh my God, whether you watch, whether you watch Star Trek or not, I think everybody has seen that. It's part of just like our cultural memory at this point. Mm -hmm. And he introduces himself as Locutus of Borg. And he says, you will be assimilated. Your way of life as you know, it is over. Ah, that is just so scary. Yeah. This is a, this is a great scene. Um, And, you know, we're always talking about the costuming and whatever on the show and the Borg really are special. They are special with their, the makeups and the costumes and they do evolve over time, but they always have this really cool steampunk look. 
And seeing that on Picard is just so cool. Like, it's so cool. I mean, he looks totally Borg, but he still looks like Picard. They didn't cover his entire face. They just did a little bit of augmentation so you can tell who he is. But you can also see he's totally different. And his mannerisms are different and everything's um, just not him. It's not. It's him and it's not him. So this is going to make it so much harder because when you just thought that Picard was dead, okay, fine, fire the weapon. Then when you think he's captured, you're like, oh, I don't know. But then when you find out he's a Borg, you're like, well, I mean, and that's one thing. But actually seeing him and hearing him say, I am Borg and we will destroy you. You're like, oh, man, now he's actually the enemy. You're confronted with the truth and the reality that it's not just his body. It's also his mind that's been altered. Yes. And you're just like, what are what are they going to do? He's not going to fire on his friend. He's not going to fire on his commander. And you know how much Riker loves and like admires and sucks up to Picard. Yes. It's so scary as Picard, who's not Picard. He's Locutus of Borg is saying you will surrender. Resistance is futile. You know, everything that you've known about your life is now over. I want to play the sound bit because Riker now has to make that hard call. And he says, Mr. War fire. And the music is so suspenseful. So I've got this little clip I want to play because talking about it just doesn't do it justice. Mr. Wharf. Fire. Okay. Ah. And here's the crazy thing. As the music's playing, as soon as you hear the word fire, the entire screen goes black and it says to be continued. So all that exciting music is all you're hearing. It's a black screen with exciting music. You're not that hearing says the, to be continued. The ship explode. You're not hearing people yelling. You're not, you don't. So you're like, did he fire? Did he not fire? Did Picard die? What happened? And then as Andrea said, that was the season freaking finale. And yes. you had to wait months and months to find out what happened. Yes. Yes. And Ugh. and Jordy is like certain, you know, that this deflector modulation is like the best chance to destroy the ship. And Riker just proved why he can be captain because he can make that hard call. Mm-hmm. He has loved Picard from the beginning and they mm-hmm. have had such a wonderful relationship. And now he has to kill him. And it mm. is fucking suspenseful as hell. And that buildup of music. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I got to say, Steely Riker is the best Riker. He's mm-hmm. my favorite where he is resigned. He's clearly taking no pleasure in being like, kill him, you mm-hmm. know, but he's just resigned because he knows what he has to do. It's his duty to the ship, the crew and everybody else who could be destroyed at Wolf 359 if the Borg are allowed to get that far. Mm-hmm. And is, the earth. And the earth. Yeah. It is just this is this is the power of good storytelling. I know how this story concludes. We all do. Mm-hmm. But even watching that, Sharice, I realized my heart was pounding out of my chest. <laughs> and I know how this it's story that, wraps it's up. That crazy it's crazy music, too. Because while the music is playing, you're going, wait, what what? Wait, what happened? So your brain is freaking out and the music's going dun 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 dun. And you're like, "Uh, uh, uh, uh." yeah, it's totally matching what's going on in your brain and in your heart of like, what just happened? What is happening? What's going to happen? What, where am I? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So that is where our story ends. 
and we are left in suspense. And if you were alive in 1990 and watched this absolute edge of your seat, gripping ending to a season finale, you had to wait three months and change to figure out, to, to get to see what happens next. And it is terrifying. It is such a good ending. This conclusion, by the way, has been widely accepted as one of the best cliffhangers in television history. Mm, history. I can see that. I can which see that. It's, it's exactly the how are we going to get out of this situation. But like a lot of shows, and they usually do this for sweeps. They usually do a, a two-parter where yeah. one of the cast members you think is going to die. And they usually do this for sweeps month. And then when they come back after sweeps, you're like, okay, I, you know, I want to watch it again. And then that's how the show gets picked up again. So it's usually not for a season finale because you never know if a show is going to be totally picked up after the season ends. So people don't usually end on cliffhangers for the entire season because they might never be able to finish that cliffhanger. However, you see it quite often where a main character, one of the main characters gets shot or blown or who knows what. And you're not sure if they lived or died until you come back for the season. And then you find them in the hospital or you find everybody at the graveyard. And, and that is very, you know, it's anxiety inducing and it also does hook you so that you want to watch the show again. But this, this is completely different. This isn't someone got shot and you don't know if they're going to make it or not. This isn't someone maybe blew up in the building, but maybe they got out in time. This is toe to toe mentor mentee friends facing off about to kill each other. Yep. And you know, one has turned into an evil Borg and the other one has to give the order to fire. This is a totally different scenario. This is like, yeah, this is not the same as some random bad guy. No, not at all. Not at all. That crescendo of suspenseful music told the whole story of what we were all feeling, you know, watching this. And I remember watching this as a kid when it came out on television, like that when it aired mm-hmm. and my dad and I were watching it because we watched every episode of Star Trek and we both were like, Oh my God. Right. And it was just such a, like, this is the kind of show that when you're watching it for the first time with some friends or there's somebody else in the room that's watching with you, that's when you look at each other and you go, ah, right. Because there is no knowing what is going to happen. You have no idea how they're going to solve this problem or get out of this. We're like Riker or Picard or both don't end up dead. It's just really, really great storytelling. So as we wrap up, what are your final thoughts on this episode, Cherise? My final thoughts were that this was, I agree, this was probably the best cliffhanger in all of TV history that I've ever seen. It definitely has stuck with me. I remember watching this episode as a kid, and I remember the feelings that I had as a kid of like, what? I can't believe I have to wait all this time. I remember telling my parents, like, I can't believe it, you know, telling them all about the episode and now I have to wait and I don't know what's going to happen and all the anxiety, especially as a kid, as a kid, like waiting is just Oh, it's the worst. A thousand times longer than it is in reality. So months and months. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It felt like years of waiting for a resolution. And I also remember how excited I was to watch the resolution. It was like a make popcorn, everyone get around the TV kind of moment. This was the, this was in the nineties without cell phones. This was the unplug your phone from the wall. So nobody calls to disturb you kind of moment. Not even kidding. That's totally what it was. Everybody was like, turn the ringer off on your phone or like take the plug out of the wall because people were having watch parties for this. Like not, not in the Netflix sense, but like people were coming. There was no such thing. There were no watch parties as we know them now, but like people were actually getting together, ordering pizza, getting popcorn together and taking the damn phone off the hook because of how important it was 
to watch this like ending. Oh, so good. And the next episode may be better than this one. I think I like the next one better just because, well, because that one has all the action. That one's like, oh my gosh, what's going to, you know, that has all the action. All all the stakes. This one didn't have any of the action. This one had all the buildup. This one had all the backstory. This one had the best ending though, where you're like, I mean, it just, it sticks with you. Yes. Yes, it really does. My final thought on this episode was that it had everything. It has the Borg. It's got Riker drama. It's got the Geordie maneuver. It's got a beautiful nebula. It's got Guinan council time. Like Mm -hmm. it had everything. It's got Troy being awesome. Actually super helpful. Mm -hmm. Yes. But I think, Sharice, the only way that we can see this episode out is with an epic song from our friend and sometime contributor, Chris French. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Frenchie, take it away. Yo, Locutus here. Want you to know that resistance is futile. And if you don't believe me, man, you better listen up. So we're flying through space and we're bored as hell. So listen up, all you humans got a story to tell. So we're looking for Starfleet, gonna drop a down beat. Let the people know to put the word on the street. Hey, step one, better get us a captain. Someone that they trust so we can get him built in. Step two, in case you don't have a clue, get my boy Taylor to pretty up his costume. Step three, look at everybody flee. Cause the Borg's on the bitches and the bitches are on me. Oh shit, that was easy, not that hard. Scooping up a bald-headed bitch named Peacock. Now we know what he knows. Strategies for Kino. Buckle up your meat sacks. It's El Nino. I'm Locutus and I'm a straight sus. All you bitches step down or I'll make a big fuss. E is for answer and P is for prize. Y'all gonna feel the burn of my laser red. Cause I'm a bull motherfucker. Cruising in a big Cause I'm a bull motherfucker. Looking for the space. Cause I'm a bull motherfucker. I am Locutus. Cause I'm a bull motherfucker. So try to get through. We're gonna add all you fuckers to the high collective. All your little efforts gonna be ineffective. Everyone joins cause you know we're not selective. Gonna give the whole human race a new perspective. Hey, Riker, I know you got tactics. Maybe you should focus on a good chiropractic. Here's something I've been trying to say, but I could never tell you, so now I'll have my way. Hey, you know your girlfriend, Counselor Troy. Well, I've been riding that lady like a rodeo and cowboy. Yeehaw, motherfucking beta says she'll be probing y'all's mind while I'll be probing her bed. No, we don't pay attention to your little border zones. We'll be going where we going, cause we got some big ol' fat phones. Getting laid with artificial hormones. Yo, homies, let me hear it from my drones. We are the board, and we do insist. You'll be in the morgue if you all resist. Cause I'm a bull motherfucker. Cruising in a big Cause I'm a bull motherfucker. Looking for the space. Cause I'm a bull motherfucker. I am Locutus. Cause I'm a bull motherfucker. So try to get through this. Gotta go to sleep, it's time to regen Then I'm gonna wake up and have y'all begging Know that ain't my brother, but I'll tell you that we are kin Chilling on the path of our queen while forcing you We got some shield deflectors Stepping on your balls from whatever sectors Don't even try to run, cause we pro collectors The only thing I need is an erection inspector I have it better than when I was a red shirt So much pressure, couldn't even tap a red skirt But now I got my girlfriend 7 to 9 And we'll be getting freaky, hitting squeaky all of the time Sorry everybody, but my jam is ending Be sure to follow, cause the Borg is trending Oh look! The sauce are separating. I better end this so I can get back to me. Cause I'm a bull motherfucker. Cruising in a big Cause I'm a bull motherfucker. 
Looking for the space Cause I'm a bull motherfucker I am locutus Cause I'm a bull motherfucker So try to get through Cause I'm a bull motherfucker Cruising in a big Cause I'm a bull motherfucker Looking for the space Cause I'm a bull motherfucker I am locutus Cause I'm a bull motherfucker So try to get through this Yo, y'all better step off the Borg Or we'll assimilate your ass Well, we're probably gonna do it anyway So get laid, smoke some green Cause we coming tomorrow Locutus out.